I'd like to take a moment and thank our sponsor. If you have a laser device for training and you want to take it to the next level, or if you're looking to get into using a laser device for training, check out the products at laserapp.com. L-A-S-R-A-P-P.com. You can use code CSP2021 for 15% off the items you've selected. And thanks for checking them out. Welcome to this week's edition of the Casual Shooters Podcast, your premier podcast for the casual shooter. This week you have me, Dave, your host, and a guest. This week's guest, though, has a list of accomplishments that would take me about 15 minutes to read. So we're not going to do all of that. All I'm going to tell you is he's a three-time world champion, 24-time national champion. Suffice it to say that there isn't anything he hasn't accomplished in the field of competition shooting that he hasn't attempted. Our guest this week is none other than, none other than Robert Vogel. How you doing, Robert? Hey, pretty good. Pretty good. How are you? Good. That's Hope good I to... wasn't too far off on your intro there. No, I was, that, that sounded great to me. Sounded great to me. Okay. Glad to be here. So, yeah. The interwebs are full of information these days. So. Yeah, they definitely are, aren't they? All right. So uh, what we normally do is we start off with some five personal questions okay. kind of get to know our guest. Uh, and these are usually the hardest questions they have through the <laughs> entire interview. Right okay. All righty. Well, I'll do my best. <laughs> okay. Number one, what's your favorite movie? My favorite movie of all time. I would have to say Lonesome Dove in 19, I think 89 with Robert. Oh. Duvall, six hour, five hour miniseries. I watched that so many times since I was a kid, my dad's favorite movie and got a little bit of life in it. Just it's not like over the top crazy. It's more like what could really happen. And um, that's, yeah, if I'd pick one, that's what I would say. Okay. Yeah, I remember when that came out. That was a, a little ways back. Yeah, yeah. See, I was about eight, I think. But Okay. Well, I'm not going to say how old I was. <laughs> I was definitely older than eight. <laughs> All right, your favorite book? My favorite book, uh, I would say... A book called The Deadliest Men. And I still have kind of facing in my front of my bookshelf. I think I was probably a teenager when I read it. It just like profiled, I think, 50 of like the deadliest men, a lot of like warriors and whatnot throughout history and back hundreds of years. And um, yeah, uh, I would say that one, even though I haven't read it in a few years. Okay. All right. Now, uh, one of the other co-hosts, he likes to ask so we added it into our list of questions which is who is your favorite superhero boy you know that one i don't know that i have an answer for because i i never really got into that uh, i think maybe when i was a kid i did but uh i mean i guess i would have to even wonder what is considered a superhero uh we've had a lot of different answers yeah i would have <laughs> said i would have said if you asked me who my hero was growing up i would have said davy crockett um, even though he, he was a real person, uh, superhero, but I, that's about like those answers I got. Okay, I like it. I'll go with that. I mean, we've gotten everything from Aquaman to Zorro, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I know who those are, but never really got into that stuff too much. Yeah, me either. All right, so I, I think I know half of the answer to this one. Favorite gun and favorite caliber. They don't have to be, the, you know, you could have your favorite caliber could be three oh eight, and Glock be your favorite gun. So, okay. Favorite gun and favorite caliber, man. 
Yeah, it's another one I wouldn't <coughs> necessarily have it. I mean, Glock, obviously, I would say gun-wise, that's what I've shot for most of my career. And um, I would say that favorite caliber, man. I'd say my, my one-and-a-half gauge shotgun because that's probably one of the most unique ones that I have. So okay. I, that's what I would say. It's a big – it's a punt gun, 1.5 gauge. Yeah. A 1.5 gauge. Yeah, it's it's on it's on YouTube. Um, if you Google like one and a half, one point five gauge shotgun, there's a bunch of videos. But yeah, it's a homemade. I made it like maybe five, seven years ago. It weighs forty seven pounds. It shoots like eleven ounces of shot at one time God. with seven hundred grains of black powder. It's, it's a big like, it's a musket basically. It's a it's a it's a muzzle loader. Um, but I I made it, and it yeah. so it's an anti tank gun is what I'm hearing. It's it's a conversation piece. <laughs> it's it's fun. Yeah. It pushes wow. you back a, a couple of feet. Holy cow. But yeah, that's what I would say. All right. So I know I, I know having looked around and read some things and, and I went in and listened to a few other podcasts with you on there. Um that you switched from STI to Glock years back. And yep. you said you even had to overcome some myths or some other things about it to, to be able to shoot it. But what made you switch to Glock? Well, I mean, I had shot, you know, I started out, long story short, I started out shooting, got serious into handguns when I was 15, shot revolvers for a few years, and going to, I'm going to go to the police academy. Uh, so I got a Beretta because a lethal weapon, that was the first one, but I shot that for a year. Didn't compete with that. Then I got an h and I started a competition with an h and USP Expert 45. I shot that for a year in IDPA, and then everybody's telling me you got to shoot USPSA. Well, I didn't even really know what it was at the time. This is back in like 01. And so then I go talk to some guys, like everybody's like, want to be serious, you got to shoot an STI. So I bought an STI, ended up getting two of them, shot them for about three years. I just, I mean, number one, I had a lot of issues just getting the guns to run right. Um, you know, I tried to get the triggers down to two pounds, and I had a lot of hammer follow and sending them to different gunsmiths. And just, so I was frustrated with reliability. And, um, yeah, I just, I had a Glock at the time. I actually had gotten for my girlfriend at the time and it was in the off season. I'm like, you know what? Uh, I'm just going to go out and, and just shoot the IDP classifier with it and see what I can do just, just for the hell of it. Uh, it, it cause it, it had been put in my head that, you know, you're not Glock's an amateur gun. Like nobody's really done too much with them or whatever. And, uh, so anyways, I went out and I got the IDP classifier with it and I actually just I shot the same score than I would with the STIs, which I really didn't think I was supposed to be able to do that or that I could, would do that. But a light bulb went off in my head like, wow, I just picked this thing up. I shot the same score I'm shooting with, a, with an STI. And so then I shot it for about two weeks and I measured everything. I've always been pretty analytical about numbers and stuff. So and for the most part, I'm doing the same thing with this with this Glock. And like, man. And so I ended up I mean, I made the decision. I sold the, the one STI and bought three Glocks for the same money. I always tell people that that's what happened. And um, <laughs> that was back in 05, I think. And I just, yeah, never, never looked back from there. My grip kind of transformed because it's, I get a little bit higher and further forward with my left hand. And um, I just kind of figured out a few different things that, yeah, the trigger, you know, the trigger is not some kind of crisp, obviously glass breaking feeling at STI, but I seem to have a little less trigger freeze issues with the Glock, even though maybe I couldn't pull the trigger quite as fast at times. But yeah, so that's that's how that came about. I and mean, then I just never never really looked back from there. 
Now, this is a, I wasn't even done with the other five questions, but I, I don't want to steer away from this no. conversation a little bit because, you know, AJ Zito. Yeah. I remember, I pretty sure he took a class from me way back in, I was thinking in Illinois, maybe like 13 or 14 or something like that. If I remember right, I know, okay. I know he is more now. I've heard of him more now. And I, yeah. Okay. He was, he was on recently and um, he and I were talking and there's been talk of um, departments buying STIs as their duty gun. And I was like, Ooh, that's a lot of money for a gun that, what are your thoughts on departments going to something like that for a duty gun? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I don't know a whole lot about it. I, obviously, I know that it, you know, it used to be STI. Now it's staccato, and, and they've supposedly changed right. some things. Um, now, I, I could not tell you a lot of the details. So, obviously, I, I've seen I'm, – I'm out there te teaching classes all the time. I've seen a lot more right. of the guns. Um, I do think they're probably better than they used to be. It used to be with an STI on the box, I mean – you know, you, you pretty much had to send it away to get some work done on it to, to have it be reliable. At least that's how it always seemed to me. I think they've kind of fixed that. I mean, to me, it's, it's just it would come down to obviously one reliability um, as long as obviously they, they work. Um, and then the guys are the guys are good enough to shoot. Obviously, the, the whole the whole manual safety thing. I mean, a lot of guys are not, in my opinion, going to be up to speed enough to do that at a subconscious level. To be able to come out, you know, as, as part of their grip, just taking that thumb safety off, really having it be no different than the grip safety. Um, so I, that would probably be a concern of mine, handing that to guys that are not at that skill level or don't have that practice. But with with certain guys, um, um, sure. I mean, I, I at the end of the day, if it if it works and functions, they can shoot it. Then I wouldn't have a problem with anybody really having anything. Okay. Well, and I know you've spent a lot of time as a, a law enforcement officer and you train them. So that's why I was asking. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say, you know, I would just say so much dependent on the guys. And, and I'm, you know, same thing like with the red dot stuff, too. But, yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, have you ever fired a, uh, a canic? Uh Yeah, I have. I, I was in, I was actually in Istanbul, Turkey a few months ago. And oh. I've shot them before in classes. I'm sure I've shot lots of them in, in classes. But they, believe I believe that's where they're made. And so a lot of guys were shooting over there. So I shot, I shot one a bit more over there. And um, you know, I, they seemed all right to me. I, you know, I can't say I pick them over Glock, but um, seemed like a solid gun. And there's there's so many more. Yeah, there's just so many more out there now. Just options with different guns that are that are that are decent. So. Now, does it surprise you at all that people still give plastic guns a bad name in competition? Uh, I mean, it surprised me. I guess not really. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a plastic gun, you know, it's physics. So when you have a heavier gun with a lighter trigger like a CZ or an STI or something, um, that's it's going to be easier for most people to shoot. I mean, it's just... So I understand why maybe some people steer away from them um, because especially, you know, especially when you start doing distance stuff and, and partial targets and stuff, it's, yeah. Your average guy, I, I shoot a Glock. I shoot it for my style of what I do. I like it better. But I tell people all the time, I think your average, average person out there probably shooting-wise will shoot better with 
with something else. Uh, I, I do think those guns, the heavier steel guns, I mean, I think reliability-wise, overall, I don't think they're as good. I mean, just I just across the board. And I'm just talking about hundreds and hundreds of guns, like averaging. I think that, uh, yeah, maybe the reliability suffers a little bit on them. And uh, you're handling. And I do think a Glock, you know, as far as drawing the gun, reloading the gun, I think it's a little bit easier. You know, you have to have a higher level mastery of trigger control, I think, to shoot and recoil control to shoot, you know, any of the lighter guns with kind of heavier, maybe not as good of triggers. Uh, it's just it's just a kind of little different skill sets. Okay, I I kind of feel like you and Nils have proven that, you know, it's not the gun, it's the shooter. For sure. Yeah, I mean, by far in a way, primarily yes, for sure. The gun does make some differences. I mean, uh, I mean, I I've done little measurement things and just a few percent here or there with different figures and things like that and consistency. But yeah, it's at least ninety percent shooter. For sure. All right. Uh, of all of your accomplishments, which one means the most to you? Um, probably, I, I, on a, I go back and forth really between two, I would say, would be the, would be like the actual biggest match I ever won was the, the Ipsic World Shoot in, in Greece, um, 2011. That was like the day after I turned 30. So that was because that's kind of like our Olympics in a way. I mean, it's, it's just a bigger deal. They did the whole podium thing. And, you know, there was probably, there was, I think, 400 guys in the division. And uh, so I go back and forth between that one. And then when I won the, the Pro-Am in, in 14 and the shoot-off against mm. Eric Fell, And probably, you know, that was a lot because it was Eric Fell, honestly. And <laughs> right. uh, it was 1,500 of a second. And it was just, yeah, we tied and then they go to the shoot-off and, so yeah, I don't know if I picked. Depending on which day you'd ask me, I'd probably, I'd say one of them, one of those two. Uh, I can see why they would be one and two, depending on the day. One will be one, and the other will be two. But. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like you know, if you I, if you would tell people that didn't know a lot, like the Olympic world shoot, okay, you're the world champion, you four hundred guys on their side of the world, and all this stuff. But people that would know the who's who of everything, and okay, you know, it, it would probably it would probably be the pro. And there was it was it wasn't just Eric. There was a that was it was stacked that year. There was. Uh, a lot of the names there. I think they had the most pros that year. Um, so there was a lot of the big name guys there that year. And that was, yeah, that was a big thing for me. Yeah. But I, at the same time, it was, you know, that la that shoot off was literally head to head. I mean, you did it one after the other, Yeah, but there was way more pressure than a normal Ipsic slash USPSA match, you know? Yeah, yeah, it was definitely different. I mean, the Pro-Am style, I shot that for, I don't know, six or seven years in a row, whatever it was. And uh, just the way they did that and just how it built up there and we, we tied at the end and it was very dramatic. And then and then the fact that yeah. it was, on, you know, that it, that it was on video too. So uh, that, that yeah, that made it pretty neat. Uh, yeah, I actually saw it recently. I was like, oh my gosh, I was waiting for your time to pop up. And I was yeah. like, 15 one hundredths of a second. Holy yeah, cow. Yeah, because he, he shot because he shot it for he had two pickups and he shot fast. And I'm like, that it, it was it was gonna be faster than my consistent pace. So I'm like, I just gotta I just gotta I got every one here. You know, I'm just gonna go if, if I hit every one of them, I think I think I, I can do it. And I you know, I felt that in the moment. And you know, some days it's your day, some days it's not. That day it just felt like my my day. I just really felt it and and that worked out and other days it didn't, but I'm I'm 
happy to have that one. Okay. Yeah, that was impressive. All right. Thanks. So we have through the almost 90 episodes we've done now, um, we're okay. finding a trend with world and national champions. You, we, I know for a fact you've met one of their criteria. One, you were born and raised on a farm. Yep, I definitely was. Were you homeschooled? I wasn't homeschooled. I didn't really oh, get okay. to town a whole. I didn't really get to town a whole. I lived pretty far from town, and you know it was kind of before all the cell phone, internet stuff. So I wasn't homeschooled. I did, I did go. I did go to school, well, country school, and then in town. But I was, I was a little more, a little more isolated than um, than most people were, until I was old enough to to drive and get out of my own and stuff. Okay, and how tall are you? Uh, how tall I six one with no shoes. Uh, like there's two out of three. You meet two out of three. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We have found that people that grow up on a farm, they're homeschooled <laughs> and they're six feet or taller, all seem to be inclined to be a world or national champion. We don't know oh, what yeah. it is, but something well, in the water. There probably is, I guess, a little more likelihood of that. I could, I could see that. Now on your bio, on your website, vogeldynamics.com, which is scrolling across the bottom there, um, says you were heavily involved in shooting, hunting, and outdoors at a very young age. So how yep. young were you when you first started just shooting, period? <laughs> well, I remember I always liked guns and stuff since I was very little. I got my first BB gun when I was six years old. I remember that. And my dad took me out in the barn to shoot sparrows with it. So that was ever since then, I think I was kind of a constant companion and then when I was nine, I was allowed to get my first shotgun. And then I started hunting. And that's a lot of what I did when I was younger. Out, I was, I was out by myself at nine years old hunting um, squirrels and rabbits and stuff. And, uh, and then I was, I was never allowed to have a handgun nearly as young as a, a long gun. Like a shotgun at a 22, again, nine years old, 10, 11, 12, all the way up through. Uh, but dad wouldn't let me have a, a handgun. And kind of understandably... Because, you know, a little more dangerous, obviously, to have an accident with. So I got my first handgun when I was when I was 15, and I actually bought it against my parents' wishes. I actually went somewhere, and I bought it myself uh, at this, like, flea market-type place. And I, I, I hid it for a couple <laughs> a couple months until until they found out about it. And then they, they took it away for a short period of time and gave it back. And, and then and that's when, yeah, that's when I really got into it, I think. Say 15, I got my first handgun, and... A book called Combat Handgunning by Chuck Taylor. I always tell people, and that was that was back before Columbine. You could do reports and stuff. I always, anytime you could pick your topic and to do some report in school, it was always about that. And they let me do it back then. And um, yeah, so that's that's really how I got started. It was it was all my main thing. I played baseball, but um, shooting, hunting, and shooting were always my just the main thing that I was into. Okay. Now that, but that wasn't that um, revolver you bought that had like the nine inch barrel. So that wasn't my very first one. My first one was a, a 357. It was a Smith and Wesson model 19, uh, four inch 357. And I actually recently just got it back. I sold it to a buddy at the time in order to get the money to buy a dirty Harry gun because I got into that the 44 Magnum. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. And then I, years. And so then I ended up having the long barreled one was my second 44 Magnum. I, I had problems with the first one, but that long barreled eight and three eighths inch 
uh, 629. I bought that when I was 17. I'll never sell that thing. That was just, that still has kind of a special place in my collection. I don't, I don't get it out too much, but yeah. Okay. Was, I like that one. So, so at, from, from what I, oh wait, before I get there now, did you do it other than hunting? I mean, hunting's a lot. I don't know how big exactly your farm is, but <coughs> what other, did you go like camping? Did you stay outdoors overnight when you were doing these hunting trips or? When um, you were I mean, a, a little bit, but it was never, it was never that much. I guess my, my farm family. So we didn't really take too many vacations because you could with the animals and everything. So the majority of my hunting, especially when I was younger was what was somewhat around, home. you know, you had, all the small games that we coon hunted a lot and then deer deer season with guns was only about a week in Ohio. So, uh, Oh wow. That was, yeah. So it was, it was just, it was just kind of normal hunting stuff around home. We obviously kept them from family okay. farm. So extended family, we had, we had quite a bit of land to hunt. So I did have that. I would go down the river a lot. I still do that hunt actually off the river in a canoe or a kayak. The river's behind my house. So, but yeah, it was it wasn't anything extravagant. Was with and the, with and the as I understand it, that that farm's been in your family since the Civil War. Yeah, a little bit after that. Um, different parts of like right across the road, my great 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 grandfather, who my road is named after, bought the farm in 1887. Um, so a lot of, and then another farm about about in the 1880s. So a little bit after the Civil War, but not too far. Okay. Off. Yeah, it's still what almost 140 years ago. So yeah, yeah, about that. Wow. Okay. Now, after once you graduated high school, you went into a two-year police academy program. So I know you were a valedictorian there, but what did you do for the year between 20 and 21? Well, I got out so probably similar now you could go through the police academy which was like six months or you go through a two-year and get a degree with it and then you, you got out and you had the police academy and a, and a degree and from the time you graduated police academy you had a year to get hired so i knew if, if going out of high school if i did the two-year thing i would get out i had about six months from the time i graduated high school or high school until i graduated the police academy until i turned 21 so I had like three jobs oh, okay. in, in, in between. Yeah. And so I, it wasn't, I, you could even actually apply before. So there really wasn't that much time there. Um, I did, I, I did, I mowed roads for the county for two or three years when I was in college. I worked for the farm service agency. I would measure farmland and grain bins. And um, it was like an agriculture job. And, and then I got hired part-time when I turned 21 uh, and did about a year about a year part-time and I got a, a real job, full-time police officer. I think that was right, right when I turned 22. So, and then, yeah, then did pretty much all of my twins as a, as a full-time cop. So at what point in there did you find IDPA and competition shooting? So I started again, when I was 15, 15, 16, 17, 18, right in there. I was actually, I hadn't shot any matches, but I was reading about all this stuff and I was doing drills and stuff. I was having my friends over and we were timing each other and doing all this stuff back in the, in the, on the farm. And then I, I used to read all the gun magazines back then, gun magazine, honey, cover to cover. I was real big on that. 
And so I read about IDPA and I kind of researched it before. Okay. Well, there's a, there's a match like an hour away. I was, I was 19. I was just starting the police Academy, I believe, or in the police Academy when I actually went and shot my first IDPA match. And I had, I had read about it a little bit before, so I, I wasn't showing up totally, you know, not knowing what I was doing. I know I'd already been shooting handguns pretty regularly for four years. And so, yeah, I showed up first match, ended up actually winning the match, which to this day, really probably I got as much of a high off of that because I had no idea if I was any good. Like I'm, I'm better than my friends and stuff and family a lot, but I don't know idea. I'm going to go and shoot a match against men and, I don't know how I'm going to do. I was, I think there was actually 19 guys there and uh, you know, the results a few days later and, and I won by a decent amount. And then, so, wow, I just, I kept going back. And so, yeah, so I started kind of throughout the whole police Academy. I was yeah shooting IDPA. And then I think pretty much right when I, I was 20, right when I got out, right about the same time I graduated the police Academy, I went and shot a couple of state matches, state championships and I won one of them. The first one I, first one I lost by four one hundredths of a second. <laughs> Never forget that. Oh um, wow! I I shot a no shoot on the last day. It was the Ohio State USPSA Championship, two thousand two. In the last state, like I came around the corner and I shot a no shoot. I didn't miss and hit the no shoot. Like I center punched two shots in the in the no shoot. <laughs> and and I lost. Take that. By, yeah. <laughs> I lost by four one hundredths of a second, and I was so uh, I was like, yeah, I could have been a, a state champion. And but that kind of sparked me to go the next month and then shoot um, the West Virginia state championship, which I won that actually against a little bit more competition. And so that was, and then that was like, wow, um, that really, like, I, I'm young. I did I did this well already. I, I beat a guy that was third in the nationals at that time, and they just really like maybe I could you know, maybe I could be a national champion or a world champion. And that, that just, I was very, very gung ho from that point and before that, but especially at that point. Yeah, I guess so. Kind of lit that fire when you realized how good you were. And so the potential is within reach. Yeah. I mean, that, and that's kind of what, you know, it's what kept me going. Cause there was always a light at the end of the tunnel. I was never, I never really felt like, wow, I could never do that. Like it was, and, and, and it's good for me that I started out. I didn't jump right in to the big, I mean, I shot, so I shot three or four years before I ever even went to a match. And then I shot regular matches for a year before I went to a state championship. And then I shot state championships for two, two or three years before I went to national. So by the time I went to nationals, like I was ready, I was ready to win. I was ready to, you know, I didn't necessarily walk in and win right away. I was very close to though. Um, but I was, I was there. So right. I, I, in a way, I don't know, in a way, I think that was good mentally for me. I, maybe I would have done more if I'd have jumped in earlier, but then it could have not been that way too. So depending on how you look at it. Okay. And there was not as much back then. I mean, I act like it's forever ago, but still it was 20 years, over 20 years ago. And um, it, it, the, the level was not what it is now. Like, I don't know. You know, somebody that would have been top 10 at nationals 20 years ago probably wouldn't make top 30 now. Um, so there's, yeah, it, it's a, it's a little different. There are more people doing it. Knowledge is out there more. And uh, so, yeah, it's, yeah, it's evolved, I guess, is what you would say. Yeah. You just have, I, I don't, I don't necessarily want to say your, your, your top end is any 
better necessarily, but you have, you definitely have more, a larger number of guys that are like at a pretty high level compared to some years back. Yeah. I, I, and when you look at like nationals last year, a lot of those, you know, you have four or five different guys who are shooting. You're like, it could be any one of these guys who, yeah. who wins. Yeah, so. sure. Could be depending on the, the match, the division, who's there. I mean, it's just a toss up. Sometimes there's, you know, six or eight guys that are all, they're all good enough to win it and on a given day or days. Yeah. I, I mean, like Max had won um, carry optics for like four or five years in a row. And then he was fourth last year. Yeah. So there's, there's, I, I agree that the amount of competition coming up these days is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for sure. It's, it's just sometimes it's, yeah, the difference between first or second and, you know, fourth or fifth or even down on the down the line further than that is, is not much, you know, it's a couple of shots sometimes one way or the right. other. Now did, um, I think I remember you, you said you've, you've never taken a class from anybody. So you well, learned all this on your own. I, I learned a lot indirectly through people. So I, I read a lot of books, watched a lot of videos. I've always been interested in, in what other guys had to say. And I still do try to keep up on, on that. Um, but I, I, other than the, the SWAT schools and stuff through, through being a cop, I've never really went and signed up and taken a class from somebody else, like some other top shooter. Not again, not to say I haven't learned a lot from him because I have, uh, but as far as actually taking a class like that, no. Okay. So you know what? I just don't think it was quite as much. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't even, I, and I probably would have, like I'm thinking back to time periods between 2000 and say 2001 to, to 2008, you know, kind of before or whatever. Uh, I probably totally would have, but I don't remember. It wasn't nearly what it is now. I don't remember ever even having the opportunity to to go it was never about oh so and so is coming here and i wish i had the money or wish i had the time i just never even knew about it uh i i it probably was out there somewhat but ha had i been coming up now i probably i probably would but then by, by that time like i'm okay i'm there and already i like, won the nationals and everything and i and i didn't i was i knew these guys you know personally i got to know them and and so like i'm kind of learning through them indirectly but i think that's probably why i had to I had to say. Yeah, the internet wasn't quite as prolific as it is today where you know where everybody is and what they're doing all the time. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's just totally yeah. different for sure. Yeah. Now, what is this about being a grandmaster in open with an iron-sided Glock 17? Well, yeah. Um, so, yeah, earlier on, you know, I made uh, grandmaster. I was when I got into USPSA. I'd already been master in IDPA. That was before they had distinguished master and I'd won some state championships and stuff. And um, getting USPSA was one of the big goals because just like Grandmaster, that sounds really cool. I got to do that. So I made it. I made it in limited, and then I, and I that was with an STI. I switched to Glock, made in production. So I'm thinking, okay, pretty much I'm going to shoot production limited, but it would be cool to, to like see if I can make Grandmaster in some other divisions. And they, they had my local club. They would have some special classifier matches. So I think I did limited 10 first. And then at the time, there wasn't, the divisions aren't the same as they are now. 
but like, oh, open was about the only one left I could possibly do with a Glock. So I, well, you know, you got to shoot uh, scores a bit higher. So I, I, I set up a gun and it was Glock 17. It, it had a comp on it and had the long, I think SJC comp. And I developed some nine major loads. And for the classifiers that we're shooting, like, man, I just, I think I can shoot this just as good with, with, with irons for what, for what they were. And so it was kind of one of those, I, I threw it on the gun. I shot it a couple of weeks before leading up to the match. And I, yeah. And I did it. I, I think it took me a, I didn't do it the first time in open in limited 10. I did, uh, but in open, I think I shot it and I got, end up with the high eighties or something. And then, then by the time the next special classifier match came around, I went and then the second special classifier match, I, I got a couple good scores in there and then, and then made it. But, uh, so it was an open gun. It just didn't have a dot. It wasn't iron. Right. 17. <laughs> that still sounds unfair. But it was, <laughs> it worked out. Oh goodness! Now, have you ever competed with a, a dot on a gun? Um, just just at some some club matches. There for a while, I was shooting. The, I had like an indoor league, and I was shooting that a bit. And so I would shoot, go there, and I would shoot my limited gun, and then you could pay and just do the whole thing again. And then I shot it with with an open gun, and uh, and by then I was using kind of I might have been the same seventeen, but I but I had a dot on it then. And it was, I, I did, I did. I remember because I would just com- kind of compare myself. What's my limited score versus my open score? And, you know, it was, but if I did it right, I shot, I shoot about 10% better with the open gun. Um, although I, I think I, I, I went a little faster. I, I was never quite as consistent with it. And a lot of the reason I kind of lost interest in open, I just, I could never get the guns. And I granted, I know I shot Glocks open guns but i could never get them to be as reliable as the irons like when you put a comp on it i'm not i'm not, I'm not saying it wouldn't run but it wouldn't would not run as consistent i couldn't just go hundreds and hundreds and you know thousands of rounds with it with zero malfunctions it would just be once every couple hundred rounds or something you know some kind of stovepipe and you just just couldn't seem to 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 completely get rid of that and and i'm just so picky about that kind of thing i don't I'll just I'll lose interest if if I can't get the gun to to work right. Um, I just don't want to I don't want to do it. Seriously, that brings up that brings up something you said before too that you don't care for um, aftermarket barrels for Glock. You said they're not reliable. Yeah, I mean, in my experience, I'm sure you can find some that are, but overall, across hundreds of them, I've just seen. Yeah, I've definitely seen more malfunctions. And, and worse reliability with aftermarket barrels and Glocks versus the, the stock barrels. I think it's just, you know, the, the tighter tolerances, then you're going to, that's what you're going to have. Um, I've seen a lot more issues just with nowadays, you know, you got the different slides in the frames even. And overall, I just, I have definitely seen them be less reliable. So I've really, I do, I do, you know, a decent amount to my guns, but the, the slides, the barrels, the frames, um, our, our stock. And, and that's, that's just, that's what I like. Is that, I know you said the, um, gen three is your favorite cause you, they're easier to work on, but do you also find that that 
is the generation where the reliability tends to drop off a little bit? Like that's a little bit more I, on that or? Yeah, I, I don't know that I would say that. Um, I, I think in the stock form, I, I can't say that a Gen 3, 4 or 5 or any of them are any more or less reliable. Um, okay. I, I don't know. I don't know that I would say. I, yeah, I don't know that I would say the reliability thing. I just I have. Obviously, I started out earlier and, and have a bunch of threes and I never. If I thought a four or five was better and I would shoot it better, you'd be you'd bet I would have them. Um, but I just I don't. For, for me now I, I just think it's just the way it is the marketing trend everybody wants something new so you get a huge percentage right. of people they will buy something if it's new it doesn't matter if it's better or not um they will buy it because <laughs> it's new i'm not really one of those guys like you have to prove it to me that this is an improvement that is better and then i'm all about it and i and i'm I don't, i'm not one of those guys that's stuck in the past and i go oh, and all that but it's, it's got to be provable to to me and then just be working on with the triggers and stuff and the one thing I don't like, the, the, the three still have a bigger opening in the back, like the cavity uh, for like in Seattle Slug or whatnot and Meg Wells. And, and I just like, yeah, I like that and kind of the cutout in the front. And um, so, yeah, I just, I, for the most part, still have about all threes and that's what I use. Okay. Yeah, I saw you like the Seattle Slug on the back and I had never noticed. Um, I've shot Glocks, but I've never owned one. So I didn't even realize one of the models had that cut out at the front of the magwell yeah to me that's a big deal it's just i think the older threes had that and then the newer threes didn't and the fours and then there were some fives that did but it's just i'm so used to loading a stock magazine um and it's you, you just you can't load a stock magazine very well with a magwell on there uh so i i really almost i prefer not to have a magwell the only reason i have a magwell on some of my guns is, is like limited guns or whatever it was for weight. But uh, so just, yeah, with the stock magazine, the way it goes in my hand with the Seattle slug or some kind of plug in the back and with the little half moon shape cutout in the front, it's, it's a lot more consistent to, to reload. Interesting uh, that you just said you, you like the Magwell for the weight. Um, seems like a lot of guns these days, people are either creating a plug to actually go up into the grip for weight, like a titanium piece, or uh, even like with Canik, you can get a brass back strap to add weight to the grip. Now, do you have you shot anything like that, or do you just like the weight at the bottom? Well, I mean, I would like weight anywhere. It's more when I with a nine, honestly, it doesn't make as much difference. But with a forty, you know, limited and standard, I was trying to get my glocks to weigh more like what an sti weighed so basically wherever i can get weight on it between having a heavier magwell obviously even with a magwell you can have a the, the section that sticks up in the into the plug area so you got some weight up into there too and then having a a weight lightweight like tech they've changed the rules now but um you could have a weight or a thumb rest so between the weight i could get up front with the, with the light cavity and the plug, like I could get a, a normal, a Glock, and I like the 24 for limited, but a Glock that would normally weigh maybe 30 ounces, you can get that thing up, you know, 45 ounces, um, like more. Would, and I, I could tell a difference on the harder stuff. Like if you're just shooting 10 yards, 15 yards, full targets, 
not so much. When you shoot a lot of, you know, partials at distance and, and stuff like that, it's just more forgiving with that weight. You can, you don't have to follow through quite as much. It's almost like if you just kind of shank, you just sometimes you feel yourself kind of shank a shot. And it's like, uh, at a certain point, it's like with a, with a heavy gun, you're still getting that hit with a light gun. It's a miss. Um, gotcha. I, you can, you can feel that sometimes. So, okay. And, and you could shoot a little bit faster at, at, again, at distance, I would notice it more. And that's a lot of times that it sort of came down to, especially like the, if the girl shoots and stuff, man, I mean, moving targets at far further away, partial targets farther away. A lot, a lot of times it comes down to, you know, somebody's going to have a, somebody's going to have a mic that on that target and the other guy's not. And that's going to make so often that's what made the difference. Okay. But yeah. Now you, you seem to have um, stopped competing, at least on, on a larger scale. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm. I'm Any... kind of. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm. I'm not exactly sure where I'm at, but yeah, I have not the last couple of years really. Um, you know, with the nationals and everything, man, I'm just going more the teaching route, which I have done. And there's, man, there's just a lot of reasons for that. And something might, might change, but I just haven't had the pull to, to, yeah, to go out and shoot nationals as much and whatnot. Just ah, a lot of reasons, man. I mean, for what I already, I, I did it. I mean, how many times do I have to do it sort of thing? To me, it's, it, this is what I tell people. And it's, it probably surprises a lot of people and sounds kind of crazy, but even from the very beginning, I, I never really shot matches for fun. Um, I like shooting. I think it will always be my life. Uh, it was never a casual thing for me. It was a, shooting is my passion and, and everything, but the match was a test. I went there. I, it was always more. I put more pressure on myself at those things than I did at my job. So it's not like, I think to 95% of people, it's like their way of, you know, whatever, kind of getting away from the wife on the weekend and playing golf or whatnot. It was never that to me. It was a hundred percent serious. I'm going there to win from, from the very beginning. And I did it for 20 years. Won a bunch of one about everything it was to win almost. And, and at a certain point, and I'm a little more independent too. So which I've, I've with classes and everything, I don't have, um, you know, I, I don't have a bunch of people telling me what I have to do. Like you have to shoot this many matches and this is in your contract and all this stuff. Like I, I've never really wanted that. I, ha I had more of that at times, um, but I just I got to the point where I want to do what I want to do. And now it's like, yeah, I go shoot a match that I've already won five times. And, and, it, and then it's like, if I, if I win, it's like, nobody cares anymore. I'll be honest with you. If I, that's how I feel, kind of. If I win, nobody cares anymore. It's oh, like okay. you don't win, then oh, what happened? And oh, you know, so sort of uh, thing. Yeah. And it's just like there's there's less to gain, but there's still everything to lose, sort of thing. And I kind of don't like saying that, but there's there's a little bit of that that's 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 true. So um, now I'm still, and then I can go over here and, and and teach a class which I actually enjoy more, and then also actually make money at it. And, and like, why would I not do that <laughs> instead? Uh, I'm still. I mean, I'm still doing it. I'm still out there shooting as much as about as much as ever and, and doing the same sort sorts of things. But I guess I just don't feel that pull to go shoot a, all the matches like I like I used to. 
And I think it, it's kind of a, a prov- provable thing. Too. I used to feel like, I, I, right or wrong, or call me whatever you want, but it's like I don't feel like I really have anything left to prove. And I, and I felt like I, I, I always did. Like I got to keep proving. I got to prove it. And then at a certain point, like, yeah, do I do I really have to keep? Do I? You know. And, and I I understand if I worked for a gun company or something and more of an industry guy. I would pretty much have to do that whether I wanted to or not. I can tell you a lot of guys that don't really want to keep doing that, but they have to keep doing that because it's part of their job. I don't, right. I'm not, I'm not one of those guys. Uh, I, I, I've kind of set things up to where I'm, I'm, I guess I'm a little more independent and not, not right or wrong one way or the other, but that's, that's, that's how I like it. So, so, so was, yeah. was any of that you just wanting to prove yourself that maybe you still had it, that you could still win it back then? Uh, you're talking when? Well, like, like before you got out of competition, when you were shooting, do yeah. you feel like towards the end you were doing it just to confirm to yourself that you could still win those things? Or yeah, I mean, it, it was it was that, and then it was just the expectations of other people. Like I, I just okay. kind of felt like, well, well, you're 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 having to you're, you're shooting nationals, right? And like. The, the last few years, I didn't want to be there as much as I did before. I mean, uh, and I did it because I thought I was supposed to do it, and I felt I would kind of be letting other people down if, if I didn't. And then, yeah, it just it got to the point where the, – and the, the first time I remember, it was the first time I missed nationals. I, I got a chance to go to Abu Dhabi for the first time, and, and it was just like great experience. Went over there. I was over there three different times. Might be going back. Uh, you know, great experience. Like the other side of the world, all this stuff, you know, made a bunch of money. And it was just like, man, I enjoyed that so much more than I did shooting the nationals for the 14th time. And, and I obviously made money instead of spent money. So it's like, why, why, why can't I just do this now more? I, I don't, I don't really have to, why do I have to do that? Like, I don't really necessarily have to do that. So that's, it's, it's something like that. But I think a lot of people don't – I don't know if they understand that it's to most of the top shooters, especially guys that have won, you know, nationals and stuff a bunch of times. And, and just the, the – the, the, you know, it's not it's not a vacation. It's, it's, right. It's, it's a chore, yeah. It's, yeah, it, it can become that. And, and again, not to say right. I don't – because I totally have a passion for shooting. And I'd be, I'd be doing this stuff even though, I'm, even though I'm, again, I'm not really – shooting nationals right now, but I am still practicing. I'm still dry firing. I'm still, it's, I know what I can do and I'm still keeping that alive. I'm just maybe not testing it in public as much as I used to. So yeah, you're, you're still shooting bumblebees out of the air. Well, yeah, I, that, that, that kind of stuff is fun to me. Just different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Different it's a totally oddball, different challenge. Oddball things like that or the cigarette thing or the different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm still shooting old, you know, in classes and stuff. Obviously, I'm demoing what I do in front of everybody. I'm doing shoot-offs against people, and um, you know, I'm 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 still I'm still putting it on the line, sort of thing. It's just different sort, you know, different different type. I totally get it. <coughs> uh, there was a guy we had on here, um, Jason Bradley. He was second at nationals in 2020 to Max, and. Okay. Then he got burned out. He got burned out right after that. He hasn't stopped shooting. Yeah. But I, I, I kind of compare him to you. He he's he wasn't a young guy when he 
went to nationals and did that stuff. But he enjoys the the funner parts of shooting and not necessarily the the chore of nationals and all of that. So he likes to do like some trick shooting stuff and he'll post videos of things like that on occasion. Yeah. So I, I, I get it. Yeah, it's it's I mean it's you know, you haven't it's to have fun with it. And I, I uh I put it yeah, obviously I put a lot of pressure on myself for years and, and I that's why I did well. It, because I put pressure on myself because I cared because I just, I didn't leave things to chance. Um, but it, 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 it takes a, a toll too. Um, and now, you know, I'm not that old, but I'm 40 and I've, and I'm just kind of to point in my life where I feel I owe it to myself to, to live a little bit more and to do a little bit more what I want. And I'm in a position more, you know, monetarily wise and career wise to, to be able to do more what I want than I used to be. So that's yeah. Different things for different people. All right. So now I want to get into your, your training stuff that you've gotten into. Was your, was your world championship the catalyst for you to <laughs> get out of law enforcement and then do the training stuff full time? Um, you know, if I had to pick one thing, yes and no, because it's, I've, I've wondered like, if I wouldn't have won the world shooting Greece, would I, there's a good chance I would have still done what I'm, what I'm doing. Uh, but it was, to me, I always tell people I got into it out of high school. The first five to seven years was total hobby for me. Like it is for most people. I'm spending all my money on bullets, match fees, travel. I'm shorting every area in my life, living in a smaller house, living with cars, uh, sleep, sleeping in my car, not having vacations for, I literally didn't use any vacations for anything other than shooting, um, for a, a long time. And I, Five to seven years, kind of mid-20s. I, that's kind of about when I won nationals the first time. And I got some attention, some sponsors. And so then I'm, about, I'm like breaking even. And then going forward from that, um, pe- some people started asking me to, to do classes. You know, I didn't advertise for it or wasn't planning. People just started asking me to do them. I, don't, I, mean, I saw the opportunity, started doing them, started to become an actual second job. I started to make money at shooting. And then... It, Got to the point, and that's kind of when I won the world shoot. I was 29, 30, that's 2011. Um, at that, before that point, I could kind of finagle my schedule to work to do class and all stuff. After that point, I had a little more interest, and I was gonna start to have to turn stuff down because they the work wouldn't give me unpaid leave. If they would have given me unpaid leave, I'd have been a cop for longer, but. I remember I got asked to go to Africa and Norway and right, right after I won the world shoot, you know, I'm getting some offers like, okay. And I'm, I'm literally thinking, okay, I could go in and in two trips in two, two week trips. I, you know, I could make more money than I could bring home in a year at, at the police department. And wow. um, I was going to have to start. That's just how I would not, not that I was making that much money at the police department, but, uh, but when I would have, yeah. And it came down to the fact that I was going to have to start turning some of this stuff down. I was, I remember being on a plane ride back from Ecuador. It was March. I went there for a class too. March, 2012. And I'm on the airplane and I'm looking at my notes and stuff. My biggest stress in my life is how am I going to pay people to work for me and get time off work? And I took a piece of paper out and I drew a line down the center and I started writing numbers. I'm like, this is what I'm getting shooting wise. And this is what I could be making. This is what I'm getting from the police. And when I actually, did the math and looked at the numbers, it, it made more sense than what I thought it did. 
thinking about it. And that's when I made the decision on the, on the airplane. I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to leave. I mean, I, and I went back, put in my notice and, and that's been over 10 years ago. And then it's been, yeah. So it's been, that's been, that's been great. And it's, uh, yeah. So I, I don't know that it'd be hard for me to go back kind of my own boss. And it is things, you know, there's times when I wasn't as busy and there's times when I'm really busy, but it's, it's worked out, it's worked out pretty well. It all balances out. Yeah. So now you, um, you were just recently at TTPOA. I saw you had even posted something about the Ohio SWAT conference. Uh, I wrote a, an article for T, two articles for TTPOA. You were probably 14 or 15. Yeah. Maybe 15 or 16, somewhere through there. But anyway, um, are there any other like law enforcement conferences you go to around the country or are those the two? Big um, ones? You know, those, and it's been, I've done them a few years, not every year, hit or miss. Uh, so I've done Texas, I've done Ohio, I've done Indiana. Uh, it's been a few years since I did Indiana. I'm thinking those are the only like SWAT conferences that I have statewide that I have done. Um, as far as like state conferences. So it kind of depends on how my, how my schedule would, would work out. And, um, you know, when, I guess when would they reach out to me and what I have on my calendar and, and all that. But, uh, yeah, I think that that's, that's what I've done as far as the state conferences. Like when you were at TTPO, okay. When you were at TTPOA, like what do they, what do they ask you to do there? Well, I mean, it's just you, you, you go there. It's, um, and I probably don't know all the events that, that go on, but you're, you're, you're teaching a couple of days of classes. So I did, I think I did the same in Texas and Ohio. I, I did two, um, two separate one day classes and, you know, it's four or five day event or whatever it is. So then they have, they'll have another day where there's like a speaker and then the vendor show and you're kind of, I'm there hanging out at that mingling with people. And I know obviously some no different people and, and that's always good industry wise. You're just the people, you know, and talk to. So that's all sure. part of that. But, but you're, you know, as far as what work wise, um, that's what you're, that's what I'm there to do is. So that's like range classes. You're, you're doing it on the range or. Yeah. 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 It, it okay. was very, very similar to what I would be doing anyways with kind of more normal classes. Uh, gotcha. it's just, yeah, you're on a range with whatever, eight, 10, 12, 15 guys. Um, some, sometimes more than that, depending on the, on the range and, you know, all day on the range shooting four or 500 rounds. Right, where you normally live anyway. So yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I'm just kind of doing what I would normally do. Until next time. Don't be a little bitch. Yeah.